Holy God, we do yearn for you. We ask that your Holy Spirit would come and open up our minds and our hearts to see wonderful things in your word. Oh God, help me in my weakness. May my words be your words. May you speak through me to the furtherance of your kingdom. Amen. Well, today is the last day in our eight-week sermon series on being filled with the Spirit. And uh, we started off by saying that the Holy Spirit has been the most neglected person of the Trinity. The most neglected. And that, tragically to our own peril, that we have not given the Holy Spirit enough attention. But hopefully after two months, at this point, maybe you're sick of hearing about the Holy Spirit. Uh, but that, I, want to, I hope that we have accomplished our goal. That we have given enough attention to the Holy Spirit in our midst. And I really believe that it's important to take a moment to recap where we've been. We often, we need a ministry of reminding. So let, if you'll allow me, let me remind us of where we have been so far. We started off this series by, by looking at how Jesus modeled for us what it looks like to live life in the Spirit. How he was filled, endowed with the Spirit at his baptism. He overcame temptation by the Spirit of God. And he did all his ministry and all that he did through the power of the Holy Spirit. The next two weeks, we spent uh, talking about how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. We talked about how he speaks prophetically through other believers, through the word of God, through our experiences, and to our hearts. We just have to be paying attention. Then we discussed what it would look like for the church to be filled with the Spirit. We said that we would see individuals filled with the Holy Spirit of God, musical worship, ministry from every member, gratitude in our hearts, and mutual submission one to another. We then celebrated Pentecost, when God's presence finally returned to the people, making us the new temple of God on earth. Then we celebrated Trinity Sunday, showing that the Holy Spirit is fully God, and that means God is not just with us, He is within us. And last week, Marie preached on how we are changed by the Holy Spirit from the inside out, and how He gives us the power to change. And so I'm here, I'm coming this morning, assuming that most of you are now wanting to grow in the Holy Spirit, that you want to live a Spirit-filled life, that you would like power and the love of God to flow through you in greater measures. I'm assuming that most of you would want, that you want to be more like Jesus, and I'm assuming that you want some practical help along the way. And so my topic for this morning is how do we grow in the Holy Spirit? How do we grow and cultivate a life that is led by the Holy Spirit of God? That's where we're going today. How do we grow in the Spirit? And so last week, as I said, Marie preached on Galatians 5 and how the Holy Spirit produces the godly character in us, the fruit of the Spirit. And so we're picking up where she left us off in Galatians 6, which is what Sheila read for us this morning. I invite you to open up your Bibles and follow along with me. Uh, Galatians 6, we're looking at verses 7 through 10. And this is where Paul has been talking about sowing seeds, sowing to please the flesh or sowing to please the Spirit. So I'm going to be... This passage will help us to know how to grow in the Spirit. So how do we grow in the Spirit? Number one, you grow what you sow. You grow what you sow. Verse 7 in this passage, Paul says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. He starts off by saying, Do not be deceived. Pay attention. By saying do not be deceived, it means precisely that this is something that is easy to be deceived about. It's easy to be tricked. It's easy to lose sight of the truth on this. And so we are warned to examine our thinking. 
to examine our mindset because it's easy for us to lose the way. And he says, God cannot be mocked. A person reaps what they sow. In other words, there are consequences for our actions. What you do matters. How you live matters. What choices you make, what words you say, how you spend your time, who you spend your time with, what you watch on TV, if you watch TV at all, everything you do, every ounce of time, all of that matters greatly. You reap what you sow. You get out of it what you put into it. And some people are deceived on this because they, they live as if God will not take their actions into account, that they will not be called to account for their actions, or that God is pleased or accepts how they live, that it doesn't really matter. And so the text says they mock God, or in the Greek it's this idea that, that their nose is turned up at God. They mock him because they forget that God will be the judge of all the earth. And Paul says that there are two ways that we can sow. We can either sow in the field of the flesh, our fallen sinful nature, or we can sow to please the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he says, whatever you are sowing in your life, that is the harvest that you can look forward to. If you put seeds of wheat in the ground, you can expect wheat to grow. If you put seeds of an apple tree, you can expect an apple tree. So whatever you're sowing, that is the harvest that you can expect. You grow what you sow. And so Paul says this another way in 2 Corinthians 5.10. He says this, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for us, the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. You will reap what you sow. And Paul says if you sow to the flesh, you will reap destruction. That means the judgment of God, forever separated from his presence. But if you sow to please the Spirit, if you're led by the Spirit of God, Paul says you will reap eternal life, both a quality of life now and a life in the kingdom of God forever. Now hold on a second, Nate. Are you saying, aren't, or aren't we saved by grace through faith alone? And I would say, of course. We are made right with God by accepting his forgiveness on the cross and what he has done. But we are commanded to make that salvation a reality in our lives. And the fruit of our lives, the things that we do, the works that we do, they will be the sign that the Holy Spirit truly lives within us. Look how Scott McKnight puts it. He says, works do not save, save us, but no one is saved without works. This is how some people are deceived. They've prayed a prayer to God. They, they intellectually, they believe in Jesus. They, may, they might even come to church, but they don't sow to the Spirit. They sow to the flesh. They live to please themselves. They, do, they live however they wish. And people get deceived into thinking, well, I, I, I believe in Jesus, and now that, that's enough, and I can live however I want. But that is not the case. You will reap what you sow. You can't sow sin and self-centeredness your whole life long and expect to receive eternal life at the end. That is mocking the justice and holiness of God. You cannot be an almost Christian. You cannot be a partial Christian, a Sunday-only Christian, a cultural Christian, a lukewarm Christian. No, you must be a full-time Christian. So when we stand before the judgment seat of God, our connection to Jesus will be clear. Our faith will be clear because he will see the fruit. He will see the fruit that our faith produces, our faith in him. A life that has been growing in the Spirit. Another way that we get deceived about this is we get deceived into thinking that our, our choices in life don't matter all that much. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm often amazed at how 
one decision can impact the trajectory of every other decision of my day. You ever pulled out your phone and think, oh, I just got to check this one thing? And then 30 minutes later, you're still on Facebook scrolling on something? I mean, how many of us have done that? Yes, thank you. Thank you for the honesty. Okay, one person among us. One person among us gets, to, gets uh, tripped up with their phone. But that decision can impact the next 20 minutes of my day. I mean, and that is the same with every decision that we make. Every decision we make puts us on a trajectory in life. Everything, we have, everything that we do has an impact on our lives and our world. But the problem is we often can't see how huge of a difference it is making because of how much time it takes. You know, when you, if you're trying to exercise and be healthy and you eat a piece of cake, you might conclude, well, nothing bad really happened. But if you ate a piece of cake every single day, over the course of a month, if you ate two pieces of cake every day, you would see the results, would you not? You see, sometimes we don't, we don't see the results because it takes time. So when you sow you, in farming, you have to wait till the end of the year to see the results. But if you had not sown, there would be no harvest. There would be no result. The NBA team, basketball team, the San Antonio Spurs, one of the, the great dynasties of the past 10 or 15 years, they had this quote in their locker room. And it says, look at a stone cutter hammering away at his rock, perhaps a hundred times without as much a crack showing in it. Yet at the hundred and first blow, it will split in two. And I know it was not the last blow that did it, but all that had gone before. Can you imagine somebody trying to chisel a stone and giving one hit and saying, come on, nothing happened. Why didn't this stone have, it didn't make any effect, it didn't matter. No, no, it was every chisel, every hammer had an impact on the stone. And it was over time that the result was shown. But we do the same with the spiritual life. We pray a little bit, we go, a little, we go to church, and we conclude, well, that didn't really make a difference. Or perhaps we do the other thing. We, we miss church one time, or we skip time with the Lord or whatever, and we conclude, well, nothing bad really happened, so it must not really make much of a difference. Oh, but friends of God, over time, over time, what you sow will be stored, and it will be multiplied. That is a law of the universe. That is how it works. And we are deceived into thinking that, that one little indulgence won't matter, but it does. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses, into something a little different than it was before. Every choice we make has an impact on our souls, how, whether we're growing in the spirit or whether we're growing in the flesh. And I, I would say to you that your current character, your current ex exhibit of the fruit of the spirit in your life, your current effectiveness in ministry, your current relationships, your marriage, your work, your home life, all of these are the result of your choices. They're the result of what you have been sowing. Every choice you make, every habit you develop, every hour of your day, you are sowing with your life. The question is, what are you sowing? Are you sowing to the Spirit or to the flesh? Friends, sow to the Spirit, and you will have life eternal now and forever. So that is the first way we grow in the Spirit, is we have to acknowledge that we grow what we sow. You grow what you sow. Number two, to grow in the Spirit, we need to weed out sin in our lives. You weed out sin in your life. Paul, continuing with the analogy in, in verse 8, he says, 
Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. So sin is living to please your flesh, our fallen human nature. And he says, if you sow in that, you're going to grow the weeds of sin in the garden of your life. And I believe sin has disastrous consequences on who we are, who we become, and what we do. And I think we often underestimate its impact on our lives and those around us. How many people here enjoy gardening? Anybody enjoy gardening? A few of you? Uh, by the way, I want to thank everybody who came out and spent some time in our community garden yesterday. Thank you for giving that time because I'm really not much of a gardener. It's not something I really enjoy. Uh, but when I was younger in elementary school, I can't remember how old, uh, a neighborhood friend of mine and I, we wanted to uh, start a garden in my friend's backyard across the street. And our mothers warned us continually that this will, this will take your time, that you will have to tend to the garden, you'll have to weed, and you'll have to water it, and you'll have to do all those kinds of stuff. And we said, we're ready for it. We, are, we want to have, grow some vegetables. And so they said, okay. So we planted the seeds in the garden, and, and uh, you probably know where the end of the story is going. As uh, elementary school students, we didn't tend the garden. We didn't, we, we didn't want to go pull weeds. I wanted to go play basketball instead. So what ends up happening is, who's out in the garden weeding? My grandmother and my mother and his mother. They're the ones doing the weeding because all these weeds had, had gone up. You see, I did not spend the time, we did not spend the time to examine the garden or tend it. And so what happened was weeds sprouted and it needed an intervention. But friends, in the same way, if you don't pay close attention to your life, little weeds can start growing. The Apostle Paul, to his mentee Timothy, he said, watch your life and your doctrine closely, and you will save both yourself and your hearers. Watch your life. Watch your doctrine closely. Examine your life. And I said I'm not much of a gardener, but I can imagine, I can surmise that the quicker you pull a weed out, the better. But if you allow a weed to grow, it's going to get bigger and harm the plants around it. So the quicker you can examine your life and pull that weed out, the better it will be for the garden and for you. And so we have to examine ourselves. How are we doing? Are we letting sin, are we letting little areas of sin grow in our life? How are we doing with those deadly sins? Have we let little weeds of lust grow unchecked? Little weeds of pride or greed? Little weeds of, of laziness at home or at work or at church? Do we allow a little weed of gluttony? Do we allow a little weed of envy? Because that person really deserves it. Or anger. And now we have bitterness and envy and dissension and unforgiveness brewing in our hearts. Sometimes, friends, you have to take the time to inspect the garden of your life. Spending time before the Lord saying, search me, O God. Is there any way in me that is offensive to you? And spend time in confession or with a trusted spiritual friend. And then you must take action to root it out and to kill it before it kills you. And this is why, friends, the Holy Spirit was given to us. This is why the Spirit came, so that we could overcome sin and weed it out in our lives. Paul says this in Romans 8.13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. The Spirit's job is supposed to help you overcome sin in your life. Not just to say, ah, it's just a little weed, it doesn't matter. No, our job is to let the Holy Spirit empower us to put to death, Paul says, to put it to death, the misdeeds of the body, to not let it grow, but to get it out of the garden. Put it to death and you will live. 
So the way we grow in the Spirit is we weed out sin in our life. We don't allow it to grow. Number three, we have to sow to please the Spirit. We sow to please the Spirit. Now, on one hand, to grow in the Spirit, you've got to pull out the weeds. On the other hand, you've got to sow the seed. You've got to plant the good stuff to see the good stuff grow. That's why Paul says in verse 8, Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Paul says to please the Spirit, to do what's pleasing to the Lord. I believe often we feel nudges, burdens, godly desires, and sometimes you, it's something you just feel or something you, it's just you know that this is the right thing to do, as Gene was talking here in the children's sermon. And when we obey the leading of the Spirit, when we obey the, the Scriptures, that is when godly seen, seed is sown and godly character, the fruit of the Spirit, is produced in our lives. So Marie talked about the fruit last week. We have to be paying attention because the Holy Spirit will lead us to different thoughts and actions corresponding to those fruits. The Spirit will lead us to loving thoughts and actions, to joyful thoughts and actions, to peaceful thoughts and actions, to patience, to kind thoughts, to good actions, to faithful, to gentle, and to actions of self-control. And when you obey these leadings, when you obey these commands, you are sowing the seeds of the Spirit, and you will become more like Jesus Christ. This is the fundamental shift in the Christian life. You shift from doing what is pleasing to yourself to doing what is pleasing to God, to the Holy Spirit. You know, after Laura and I got married, we moved, we moved in together. And when you do that, you quickly realize that you have different expectations for how a household should run. And I learned very quickly that uh, Laura was displeased when the house was not tidy. And she was pleased when it's tidy. I mean, seriously, what is, what is, what is wrong with coming home and putting your socks on the, on the living room floor? There's nothing wrong with that, right? Come on. Okay, no amens on that one? <laughs> Maybe it is wrong. But I learned very quickly she did not like that or any, the, way, the house not being tidy at all. And when, so I made, a, very early on, I made a commitment that I would become a tidy person, at least to the best of my ability. And so I made it a goal of mine to do what was pleasing to her. That, and I, when she was working night shifts as a nurse, I knew that she would be pleased to come home to a house that was clean. So I made sure that before I went to bed that night, that I wiped off the counters, that I did all the dishes, that I put everything away before I went to bed. Because I wanted to do what was pleasing to my wife. And so I made it my regular habit to tidy the house. Because when someone you love moves into your life, you should make it a habit to find out what pleases them and to live accordingly. And God has given everything for you because he loves you. And he has given us his Holy Spirit to move in to our life. And now we must ask, what is pleasing to the Holy Spirit in our lives? And how would that change the way I live every day? What would please the Holy Spirit? He has moved in. Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians. We instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Don't be content, but do it more and more. Find out more ways to please the Spirit, because He so loves us. And this is how we grow in the Spirit, how we grow in a relationship with God and our holiness. And when you do this, you will grow godly fruit in your life. Friends, if you want the fruit, you have to sow the seed. If you want the fruit, you've got to sow it. There's one popular proverb that says this. It says, you sow a thought, you reap an act. 
Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Your destiny will be determined by what you are sowing in your everyday thoughts and actions. And the, sows that you, the seeds that you sow to the Spirit are those daily thoughts, those daily actions, those daily words and habits. Those are shaping who you are and who you will become. So make sure that you're sowing to please the Spirit, not to the flesh. So that was number three. We have to sow to please the Spirit. Number four, we have to endure in doing good by focus, focusing on the harvest. We have to endure in doing good by focusing on the harvest. Perseverance and endurance. I believe this is an underestimated category in the Christian life. We need endurance. We need perseverance. Paul says in verse 9, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't you find it interesting that the presence of the Holy Spirit does not always prevent us from becoming weary? Even with the Holy Spirit, we still get weary from time to time. Now, I want to be clear. Paul is not talking about physical weariness here. He's not talking about our need for rest and our need for rejuvenation. We need all those things. When Paul says, let us not become weary, what he's talking about is an inward disposition of your heart. And he's telling us to not lose heart, to not give up, to not be discouraged. And the encouragement he gives us is to look forward, to keep your eyes forward to the harvest that is coming. We will reap a harvest at the proper time. Paul reminds us, even if you can't see it, all that you're doing is making a huge difference. The good that we do are seeds that are sown. And someday, someday God knows when they will sprout. God in His grace sometimes allows us to see harvests in our lifetime. Sometimes we get the grace to see people come to Christ that we've been praying for. We get to see family members changed. We get to see churches revived. We get to see communities changed. And other times it takes decades to finally see the fruit of a lifetime of ministry, of parenting, of hard work, of dedication. But friends, let me remind you, you're like the one who's chiseling the stone. You may not see it, but there will be a harvest. And I am convinced that many of the things that we do, we cannot even begin to fathom the impact that they are having for eternity. Let me remind you that your hard work, that your ministry, that your volunteer hours that you give, that your parenting, that your marriage, that your work life, that your, your correspondence with people, your friendships, they all matter greatly in the kingdom of God. They all matter. And if God would give you the ability right now to see the impact of everything that you're doing for eternity, I believe you would be changed forever and you would live accordingly. But we live by faith, not by sight. So would you take God at his word? There will be a harvest. There will be a harvest for the things that you are doing. Friends, don't give up. Don't become weary. Stay the course. There will be a harvest. God will see it through. And finally, the last thing that we need to grow in the Spirit is to take advantage of opportunities to do good, especially to the church. Paul concludes his very practical applications here in verse 10. And this is what he says. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let me break this down a little bit. He says, as we have opportunity, 
So one way to think about this is is to think about the various opportunities that present themselves to you throughout the week, throughout throughout your day. A friend asks for help. A co-worker needs a listening ear. A family member needs you. See, often God is presenting us these opportunities that He maybe has planned in advance for us to walk in, that we would do good when opportunity comes. This is what it means to live in the Spirit, to see the everyday realities of our life and say, maybe God is calling me to step into something. He's calling me to respond. That is how we live a life in the Spirit. So any opportunity that comes to you, do good. Sow that seed to the Holy Spirit. Live to please the Lord and be led by Him. So that's one way, one way to think about that is just to think about our everyday lives. But another way to think about it is, is that uh, our whole life is one big opportunity to sow seeds before the time of reaping comes at the end of our lives. Now is the time, friends. Now is the time to sow the seed. God graciously will take note of our deeds and he will reward them. But when the end comes, there will be no more time for sowing. The time for sowing will be over. When the harvest comes, it's too late. You had to sow before. The time for sowing is now. So take advantage of your time now while we can. Because at the end, only the harvest of what we have done will actually remain. I love how Jonathan Edwards, the pastor in the 1700s, he had many resolutions and he said, I am resolved to endeavor to obtain for myself as much happiness in the other world as I possibly can. I'm going to sow with all the opportunity that God has given me so that there is a harvest of righteousness at the end. And so the good that you do, the money that you give away, the time that you serve, the prayers that you pray, the love that you give, these are seeds that we sow that God will reward in the end. So friends, the application is do good to all people. He says to all people, no matter who they are, no matter where they are from, no matter what they believe, that is the Christian's duty, period. We love all people. We do good to all people. But after this expansive command of do good to all people, Paul says something interesting. He says, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. He says there is a special duty to our fellow Christians because they are in the same body of Christ that we are. And I would go so far as to say that we have a special duty to our local church, to the people that we have covenanted together to live out that expression, the local expression of what it means to be the family of God. And so it's, Paul's not saying, hey, neglect the world, forget about the world, become church, so church-focused that we're not doing ministry outside the walls of the church. No, he's saying, love the whole world, but give a special emphasis, a special concern to those who belong to the family of believers. Friends, let me recap for us. We have been given a remarkable gift of the Holy Spirit of God with us, in us, And therefore, it is our duty, and it is our right and our privilege to grow in the Holy Spirit, to grow in holiness. So how do we do that? We grow by what we sow. We grow by what we sow. Your choices and your habits make a huge difference. So ask yourself, is there one habit that I need to cut out of my life that is preventing me from growing in the Spirit? Or alternatively, is there one habit that I need to begin to help me grow in my relationship with God. Number two, we need to weed out sin in our lives. Kill the weeds of sin early and often. And so ask yourself, what am I allowing to grow that shouldn't be growing in this garden? What am I allowing to grow? Number three, we must sow to please the Spirit. So ask yourself, what is the Spirit of God 
calling you to do? What, is God, what would be pleasing to the Spirit of God in this season of your life? Number four, we do not become weary in doing good. We endure by focusing on the harvest. Ask yourself, what good work or ministry have I become weary in that I need to remember the harvest? And trust God that he's going to bring a harvest. And finally, number five, take advantage of your opportunities to do good, especially to the church. So ask yourself, what opportunities is God bringing my way so that I can serve? And ask yourself, where does the church need me to be serving right now? How can I give a special emphasis to the people I belong to in this family? Friends, God has given us the gift of his spirit. May we grow the godly character of his fruit, and may we see the harvest that he will bring. May you allow the Holy Spirit to fill your life to the brim, and may it overflow for love to the world. Amen.